This is Kevin Evans with the Chapter by Chapter Live class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we last week just finished Acts 13, and we will be getting Acts 14 today. And in Acts 14, Paul is in Iconium, where uh, he has reached kind of almost the limit of his first apostolic journey. So he's been sent by the church in um, somewhere. No, no, he wasn't in Jerusalem. My brain went blank. I gotta find my map. Antioch. Antioch. Uh, the church in Antioch, Syrian Antioch, which is north of basically Israel. It's not even in Israel anymore. It's Gentile country. And uh, about half of that church is of a Greek background, but they are all, you know, Jews are converted Jews that have become Christians. And he has been sent out under the power of the Holy Spirit, and he has gone to Cyprus, where he had a small adventure in Paphos and spoke to the governor, and then he went to Perga, and uh, John Mark went home, and, and, and Paul got mad about it. And at that point, Paul kind of becomes the leader in the group, and he's referred to that way. Hey, guys. Uh, and then he went on up into Sidian Antioch, which was a huge city, and now he's down into Iconium. And uh, in Iconium, things get a little weird. Oh, goodness, we have more, more donuts. No, those are our donuts, baby. Oh, That's the ones we brought. It's oh, okay. I just it's okay. Relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Uh, all right. So uh, he's in Iconium. And um, I'm sorry, Lystra? Oh, I'm sorry, in the wrong place. Okay, so chapter uh, 14, I'm going to read the first section in verse 1. So at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas, notice Paul is listed first, went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So he, he's getting pushback. And he's already gotten pushback in the previous town to the point that they, they ran him off. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Oh, look, that word is being used in conjunction with Barnabas and Paul, neither of which have seen Jesus. Well, not physically. We'll come back to it. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them, but they found out about it and fled to the Iconian cities of Lystra. So he hit all this resistance and he goes on down the road another 15 miles. Because uh, that's what happens when people start hunting for you, it's time to leave. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to the city of Lystra and Derby into the surrounding country where they continue to preach the good news. So he came from a town in Iconium, uh, well, our, where he was before, and Antioch, where he got some, some resistance. He goes to Iconium, where he gets more resistance. 
They call them apostles. All right, the apostle thing has been argued. And what Lee, I think, was about to argue was that Paul saw Christ in his vision uh, on the road to Emmaus, which is a fair argument. And many people have listed him as the 12th apostle rather than Matthias that the, the, the uh, apostles voted on. Uh, the uh, apostle, though, as a word, kind of like in any English word that has all these connotative definitions underneath it, can mean a number of things. And apostle is uh, used in Greek as one sent. It's uh, a missionary. It's somebody that is your representative. It could be used in, uh, like agent. I mean, agent of the company. That would be an apostle of the company in Greek. In fact, in the Greek Orthodox Church, which still speaks Greek, they call all their missionaries apostles because that's what that word means. Does that make sense? So, and also notice that in the NIV, they're acknowledging this by not making it capital. And when they're talking, when they're using the, the, the 12, they tend to capitalize the A. So, anyway, so we're interpreting this just to mean that they're, they're the one sin. Uh, and so, there's a plot afoot. Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders mistreat them to stone them, and they found out about it, and they left before they got stoned that time. Good call. Is there anything else in there that I missed? Paul is listed first, and suddenly he's kind of moved up to the uh, authoritative position. A similar instance as before. Uh, he starts in the Jewish synagogue. He goes to the Jews first, preaches to them. Then he comes out to the Gentiles. Uh, and, and, he, and he preaches first, and then he has the healing to back it up, which gives him, you know, credit, credibility, excuse me. And uh, that's that. I don't think there's too much controversial there. It gets interesting when he gets to Lystra. So he's down, and if you look at, in the little map I gave you, I don't know if you have, I've got one in my Bible. Lystra is just underneath Iconium by, uh, I don't know how many miles, 50 maybe at max. And then Derby's down maybe another 40 miles or so. So, so he's just moving south now, now that he's gone around a bunch of lakes in Sidia, and he's coming down out of Galatia uh, toward Cappadocia. So, verse 8, as I zip through this, in Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth, never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Does that seem weird to you? That that would be their reaction? <laughs> it is better than getting stoned. It also kind of mirrors what was going on with Herod two chapters back when the crowd starts to chant, it's, the, it's a God speaking to us, and he soaked it in, and then God struck him down. And I'm pretty sure that Paul and Barnabas are aware of that story, you know? 
And so that suddenly Paul and Barnabas are put on the spot, and they're they're getting really kind of nervous here. I would think. Why would they? Okay, first of all, they're they're claiming they're they're Zeus and Hermes. I kind of get that. I guess if there was a miracle performed, but then the priest of Zeus, who would see them as a rival, who makes his money off of offerings to Zeus. He doesn't say, oh no, they're heretics, that's not Zeus, come to my temple and give me to them. No, he brings the offerings to them. It's even more interesting than that. I'm surprised you're not jumping in to talk all over this one. It seems that there was a mythology established in Lystra that isn't apparent in the scripture and there was this story about how Zeus and Hermes uh, became, uh, appeared in human form as merchants and they came through Lystra and they asked for lodging like a merchant would. And Hermes was the god of merchants, so this would kind of go along with it. It's a Hermes story more than a Zeus story. So, uh, so as they go look for lodging, no one offers them lodging in Lystra until they get to the outskirts of town and they are offered lodging by a widow at the outskirts of town. And widows are, being the, are, are part of the lower caste of people in Greek society. And so they had to go out to the poor part of town and, and stay with a widow that's the only person that would show them kindness. And so the widow put them up and fed them and Zeus was offended. So he killed them all. Everyone in Lystra was dead. And then he turned uh, the, the widow woman's house into a palace and gave her servants for her and her son until they died. And so there was this huge palace in Lystra and, all, and everybody was kind of serving her because Zeus decreed it. And when she and the son died, Zeus, according to the mythology, turn them both into trees in the middle of town so that they continue to service the town with their fruit or whatever. I don't know how the myth goes. But the thing is, the people of Lystra, because they were Hermes worshipers, took it very seriously upon themselves to offer hospitality to merchants and travelers because that was Hermes' deal. And if, if they didn't want to incur Hermes' wrath, and it, since they had this story, and there's these two sacred trees for when they messed up and everybody was dead after that, they all took it really seriously when, you know, somebody suggested that they weren't being hospitable to travelers. And here we have two travelers to come in <gasps> performing miracles. What would you do if you were the priest of Zeus? Oh, yes, because it's actually in his best interest to perpetuate the myth and he's actually perpetuating the Zeusian mythology in order by doing this. So it, it fit very nicely. He was basically co-opting Barnabas and Paul's message, you know, by saying, oh, uh, whatever you're saying is meaningless, but since you just performed a miracle, this is what it really means. And uh, that's what they had to, had to deal with. So not only are, 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 do they have to talk down being called gods, which would upset God. Uh, they also have to keep the message clear because it immediately starts to go sideways based upon this mythology. 
Yeah. Uh, by the way, Bruce validates you. Oh, I'm so glad that Bruce agrees with me on that one. I'm not sure I got he tells, that. He tells the same story. I'm not sure I got that from Bruce, but I but, but evidently he went to the same source I did. Okay. Okay. So, um, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and reeds to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, <laughs> notice that Barnabas is in the front now. That's interesting. Heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness for giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. And finishing up that section, verse 19, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. So they're wanting to sacrifice to him, and they've declared them gods. He says, no, 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 we're not gods. We're serving a god, and it's not Hermes and Zeus. Notice he does not quote scripture. When you were talking to Jews, he always starts with scripture because that's how Jews think. It has to be founded in the Old Testament. It, uh, you have to be speaking the word of God, and it all has to, to hold together uh, that way. And that validates him. But th that would mean nothing to this particular crowd. He's speaking to Greeks. And so he starts with the natural world and moves in. He starts with what they understand. And I honestly think that's a lesson in witnessing. I mean, you need to understand where you're, the person you're, you're speaking to begins and speak on their level and within their level of understanding, which is, I think, where missions have often failed. Often. He's quiet. We agree with you. Bill's not here to argue. Bill, we miss you. Bill would jump right in there and, yeah. and yeah, okay. okay. We miss you, Bill. Yeah, yeah. He was ill and he actually called me. He was very sweet and he, he had a little crack in his throat. I think he was actually not pretending. I have called my boss before and pretended to be sick while I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did a little, little old cough there. I'm telling I tell Faith all the time I'm sick. She goes, I don't care, get up and work. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have to fake or anything. Um, then Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So these are the people that were <laughs> mad at him. And, they, and he ran away from Iconium, so they didn't get to stone him there. It's, they're still upset. So they, they, they traveled the 40 miles down to the next town. And here he is again. And they won the crowd over. So here's the crowd that was worshiping them. And then they had to listen to his sermon and now they hate him. I mean, these guys are fickle. 
hey! Uh, they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Stoning traditionally is throwing you off a wall, preferably the city wall, and then dropping rocks on top of you after you hit the ground. That's the traditional Jewish way. However, I think there was a lot of improvisation that goes on here. Whatever came to mind. Whatever works. And so uh, he got hit with rocks at some point. I don't know exactly how this went down. Enough that he's unconscious and they drug him out of the city and dumped him. Well, I'm sure that there was a bunch of guys with a rock standing there. He, 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 Barnabas, he doesn't mention Barnabas getting stoned, does it? No, he doesn't. No. It's interesting. No. He's well, faster than Paul. Well, <laughs> okay. Notice, I, I think this is interesting too, and it gives us a little bit of insight into Barnabas and Paul. If you, if you backtrack a little bit, they said that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes. And we don't know why they made that particular connection, but I would suggest that Barnabas was taller, perhaps older than Paul. And Paul, we, we already know from another reference, was short, and Paul literally means shorty. Uh, and Paul, we can assume, based upon a number of things, was doing all the preaching. Hermes were doing. And Hermes was the messenger. So if you're going to say that these two guys are Zeus and Hermes, it would be really obvious to the Greeks which one's Zeus and which one's Hermes. So when they tell them there's, they're not Zeus and Hermes and we're going to throw them out of the city, do you want to throw a rock at the guy that might be Zeus? Or do you want to throw but a rock at the guy? But if the not Hermes, this guy might not be Zeus. I just think Barnabas turned to Paul and says, I don't have to run faster than them. I just have to run faster than them. Well, that's not <laughs> yeah. I like that joke, actually. Uh, there's, sadly, there's truth to that joke. Uh, and that's when they realized Barnabas was Hermes. Because he ran faster than Paul. <laughs> I got in a fight in first grade, and I discovered very quickly if I could outrun the guy next to me that I wouldn't get beat up. It worked. It worked well. Anyway, uh, another story. Uh, so they beat up Paul. And the disciples gathered around him. He got up. So he's not, he wasn't unconscious long, I guess. He got up. His legs aren't broken. And he went back into the city. What's wrong with this man? Oh, 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 that must be it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd get find better. Well, also, I don't know what time of day it is. And uh, it says the next day they left town. Uh, the only shelter he could get may have been in town. And, and he did have a few people on his side. I think the disciples took him in somewhere and let him crash till the next morning, at least. There you go. <laughs> Whatever the, whatever the equivalent was. So they left for Derby. Derby is another 40 miles south of Lystra. So he's still on this big journey. He's been stoned twice on this trip. Is that right so far? Yeah. 
Verse 21. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. It doesn't say how many days it took to get to Derby. It doesn't say how many days it took to recover from the stoning. I think I would have been a little sore after that. Rocks aren't fun. Uh, but he is evidently well enough that he can still preach. Well, he evidently had God, you know, normally a person would succumb to those injuries. So obviously he had God Divine healing. him okay. from any lethal blows. So after he won a large number of disciples, then they returned to Lystra. Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He must go through many hardships. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. After going through Sidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, which is the port city. They basically reversed their whole trip and went back and visited each one of the churches that they had founded. Uh, so stopping there for just a second, <clears throat> there was pushback from the Jewish community against this teaching, but there was also a large enough following that they could form a church, a Christian church that Paul could encourage. And I would say that that Christian church is getting pushed back too. It's not just Paul getting stoned. They're, you know, being threatened that you best not leave the temple and you best continue this. And uh, I don't want to see you guys meeting anymore. And, you know, they're, they're getting some pressure also. So Paul comes back through and he knows he's not staying to lead them, so he assigns elders, and usually leadership kind of rises naturally. And he assigns elders, and he kind of sets up these little uh, groups. I don't know if they really called them churches then. I guess they do, they do in scripture. <clears throat> and so he, they're praying and fasting and committing this to the Lord, and they establish these Christian communities coming back through. Um, it's not just church founding. You have to shepherd a church too, right? Can't just let them go. 26. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, and they just totally skipped Cyprus this time, sailed around it, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he'd opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So he had their very first missionary conference in Antioch, and he reports on all the other churches, so now Antioch is aware of all the other communities, and presumably would maintain a relationship with those communities, and assist each other in growth and stability. And um, it also legitimizes the missionary trip because it's successful and it opens them to the Holy Spirit guiding them in other trips and in other things. And so 
they're seeing what God is doing. It is not, it's not the work of men, man. This is, this is the Holy Spirit's doing, and they are embracing that. So not Paul's plan. I don't think Paul would have planned getting stoned twice. I wouldn't if I were planning a trip. To quote my wife, I prefer five stars. Yeah. He does not. I prefer five stars. Yeah, she prefers five stars. He's a Motel 6 kind of guy. Catch every disease on the face of the earth. Something like that. It's not that bad. Stoning might be safer. They scrub a Motel 6 really well. Remember, this is recorded. We are not slamming Motel 6. I like it. I did it as a Motel 6. I'm going to start a little bit more scrubbing. I prefer Holiday Inn. Hilton? No, Holiday Inn's just fine. We're like 20 minutes early, and I'm like completely out of material. That's the end of verse four, chapter 14. I haven't said that. Bill here to argue with. They returned back through Lyser Iconium. They preached the whole way. They established elders. A long time when he stayed with the, uh, long, most uh, uh, people say that that's a year. So he stayed another year in Antioch, uh, just kind of shepherding the Antioch church. And I assume that other people made this trip back and forth with the other churches, and they came and visited back and forth. You know, so... Uh, Oh yeah. The church from getting more persecution in its in the inspection. Well, yeah. Go ahead. You go first. Well, I, I just feel like this is controversial. We must go through much tribulation to enter the kingdom of heaven. To enter the kingdom of heaven. Like So does persecution keep a church on its toes and keep it energized? <sighs> I mean I'm sure you had a limp at this point. And the message scars, was scars. more important than dealing with, than, than stopping. All of my human logic wants to say, no, of course not. Uh, but I think that history kind of points the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a man of comfort. Well, I enjoy my comfort. I watched a documentary not too long ago on the Civil Rights Movement yeah. in the United States. And they were with the, one of the marches in Alabama where they were getting the children to come out and, and film the march too. And, and Bull Connor, the local city commissioner who was in, really in charge of the city they were marching in, said, we're going to show them. We're going to stick the fire extinguishers on them and we're going to stick the dogs on them to attack them. And that'll solve this. Mm -hmm. They said that was the event that led to the signing this up because people around the nation saw you're putting water hose, which tears off your skin. Yeah. And dogs attacking children. Yeah. People side with the persecutors. I mean, they're the ones being persecuted, I mean. They said that was the dumbest thing that ever happened for the people who were anti the civil rights movement because it 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 lit the fire. Persecution has a way of doing that. Yeah. So people, people have to decide where they are. There's no sitting on the fence at that point. Right? You might still be on the side of the persecutors, but the people on the fence trying to decide go, well, attacking children. 
And, and you also go, well, they're willing to stand up and go through that. Let me listen to their message. Someone who's willing to go through that for a message, I want to hear that message. And I think here, Paul's going to get stoned, and he's coming with the scar to say, I got scarred for this message. People go, well, tell me the message you're willing to go through this for. There's power behind that, I think. <laughs> what does it say about us as human beings that we're motivated by resistance? Because we are. When mama tells you no, the one thing you want to do is the thing that she told you no. Right? Well, there's a rebellious side to it, but well, there's, a, there's a resistance to standing up for what's right. Isn't it the same thing? I, thi I think I think in th at the core of our being, it's the same thing. It is this strive for independence. It's it's wanting to go my own way. All right, there's a difference between someone putting a gun in my head said, reject Christ or I'll put a bullet in your head, and my mom telling me, no, you can't have another cookie. Yes. The resistance comes from two. That's total rebellion. This is making a stand for God and say what I believe in. There's, it's come from that second. It's human nature. You can use it for bad. Our it bothers me. Yeah, I do. I'm not. I'm not arguing. It bothers me that our entire nation, and again, I've been reading a lot of history, <laughs> is based on rebellion. It's based on you can't push me around. It's based on I don't want no government. I'm doing my own thing. You know, it's it's all about this uh, rugged independence, libertarian. Uh, I'm in charge, you're not, leave me alone. Until you find someone doing something you don't like and you want the government. Well, government. Lately, <laughs> that's, lately that's the other trend. But that's, I think that's fairly well, new. Well, no, when the Puritans, your big thing, they came, to, they came to the new world for religious independence. Okay? What did they, first thing they do when they come and they establish their colony? I disagree with your premise. What's my premise? I don't think they came to the world for oh, religious no, not, independence. No, I'm saying what's preached. What's preached. Yeah, what's okay, thought. that's preached. When they, oh, they came for, they did not come for, they, they came no. for economic yes. stuff. But they say. They had they freedom were, and lied. But, but they, one of their tenets they said was religious freedom. And the first rule they established, our no church freedom. is the only church you can come to. Exactly. We ban everybody else. There's a hypocrisy to the yeah, and then the colonies, basically, you know, Rhode Island was all the people that got kicked out of Massachusetts. That's that's how well Adam formed. And our, and our revolution was based on high taxes, and the minute we get freedom from England and their high taxes, taxes. we raised the taxes even higher than England. Yeah, yeah which... <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling with the concept. Don't bait me. Um, uh, well, someone's got to be Bill here. <laughs> I don't think it's always wrong. I'm not sure. You know, I think there are some large concepts you should rebel against. You know, God. But, but then, when we when we when pick a sermon, the sermon says that we should 
be obedient to God. A, a lot of the Christian life is obedience to what God wants of us. We should die to ourselves and live for Christ. And then as Americans, we are rugged, independent, do what I want. Yeah, it's an absolute opposite mindset. And I wonder if there isn't, that maybe that's the, an issue with the American church, which there's all kinds of criticisms with the American church, because we're not really following the guidance of God we're, we, because we are programmed to follow our own way. Well, I've been in that church too. In fact, I've been that guy. I follow you in your I'm following you 10405 by your works. Oh, good. <laughs> Thanks so much for that, really. 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 Now, now. I hope, I hope nobody could hear that other way. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'd appreciate that. Okay, I have a, a real question. Okay. What is the difference between, like, a real church and a cult. I mean, you're both organizations are following <laughs> someone. Uh, well, I think a church is following Christ. Okay. And a cult is following a dude. Who like, is speaking for Christ. Who is like speaking Jim, for Jim Christ. Jones or something. Yes, but he said, Jim Jones said that he was the new Messiah and oh. uh, here's, here, here's what God just revealed to me. Never mind that silly Bible. We're going to do what I say. Well, because there was an article I read, and I wish I had the article here, and gave the, the, the bullet points of what makes up a cult. Oh, hit us. I'm going to mess some of these up. Sure. I'll try to find them. One is it's, it's revolved around one figure. Okay. The yeah. one figure is above the law and above punishment and can do whatever he wants. Right. If you disagree with that person, you're evil, and they mock you, they shame you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, there is a total, total, complete blind allegiance to that person. When that person is wrong, they're not wrong. Yeah, you're right. right. And there's a lot more. I'm, I'm messing up on that. Okay. That that is very prominent, not just in church, but in politics today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. for me, not for you. Huh. When someone is above the law, that is a cult. Huh. It, here's what I say: is it is hard to walk in humility as a Christian and have authority as a Christian. <laughs> And not let that authority lead to pride in yourself. Right. That's the number one downfall of most ministers. Not sex, not anything else. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's that attitude to where I cannot. It's also the downfall of all politicians, too. They get into that. To where I'm wrong, I'm above the law, you can't do this to me, and if you disagree with me, you will shame me. Mm -hmm. That is a cult. Okay. Answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> now you have the extreme where the leader says, I am Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Or I am as good as Christ. I mean, the other ones, I guess, do that, but they just don't see it. Well, and they like, it's just understood. Like, or saying, I've never done anything to deserve repentance. Right. Uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a cult. Because they're perfect. There's a lot of. Yeah. There's a lot of them, brother. It's 
a dangerous thing to where I heard a man one time say, a minister say he is offended when his church people look up scripture to make sure what he's preaching is oh, true. Well, that's a whole oh. problem. <laughs> also, I think like people don't understand that when you believe someone just because they prophesy or they do a miracle or they did some good things, like that's not a reason to believe everything someone says. You know, just because they do a miracle, they do a that's miracle, not. You shouldn't blindly trust them because the devil does some things. It, it, it seemed to be the modus operandi of apostles in scripture. I, mean, I think it can work that way, but also you can't trust everyone who does a miracle. You're supposed to, the scripture says, tend the spirits. Well, I everything. think that's the whole thing is there's a lot of people walking around that are lazy Christians that would rather have you regurgitate things to them than mm -hmm. pull out the Bible and pray and read themselves and understand for themselves and, and then, then you be a confirmation of that. My, I, I always, when I taught and preached, I did the, you know, where they're talking about the people who do they want their ears tickled. Mm -hmm. I interpret that different way. The people, most of what you hear in our church is, well, those are people who want their sins justified. No, it's the Christians who want to hear the same messages over and over again and stuff they already agree with and not hear a message that's mm -hmm. touching that them at their heart. That's the people being tickled by their ears. We had a church that for four weeks, they preached and preached and preached a message uh, against homosexuality. Filled up, amen, brother, like that. Then there was a message on gossiping. <laughs> they wanted to run them from the church. That's tickled ears. Echo chambers. Yep. That's be having your ears tickled. That makes sense. As long as we're talking about other people's problems, I'll amen you, brother, and I'll double my tithes. If you start <laughs> my sins, I'm leaving this church. How dare you talk about my gossiping? Uh, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said about gossip? <laughs> <laughs> he got the joke. I, I'm moving a little slow. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> smart man over there. He's going for a PhD. So, I'm out of ammo. So, Judy, what were you, where were you going with I that? don't know, but I have another question totally unrelated and, <laughs> and may not even mean anything. Yes? If you're going to use the Bible, which, of course, we all are, I don't mean that, but what do you prefer, like Living Bible, uh, Thompson Chain? What is your, <laughs> your go-to Bible? There you go. That's my question. The anything but the Passion Translation. You don't like the Passion Translation? Oh, one dude. Didn't paraphrase? Quote from the Passion Translation last oh, week in his song. Oh, oh, he did. Oh, <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, that was Kenny that said that. <laughs> one dude with no oversight. I'm just saying. Okay. You, Interpreting an English translation. Uh, he, he, here, here is the yes. studious answer to that question. Um, <laughs> as far as English translations of Scripture go, there are direct translations and there are paraphrases. And I think if as long as you are reading from a direct translation, of which there are about six good ones, then uh, that's fine. And, and, and just because a, sentence, a, a verse doesn't perfectly match word for word doesn't mean that the intent of the, of, of, of the, 
the sentence doesn't. And as long as the intent is the same, I think and you're good. And, and, and the, no, nothing in the, in the differences is going to change any kind of doctrine for anyone. It's all little stuff. And that's just the nature of the beast when you're translating because there's a certain amount of interpretation in all translating because grammatical structures don't match. Uh, paraphrases are retellings. It's following the basic idea but trying to put it within a different cultural context which uh, ignores the original cultural context, which can be interesting. But you know, when you go to the Message Bible and talk about the woman at the well and the woman in the well is an American Negro, uh, I, that's not what she was, you know. Yeah. So he, he didn't say that. Yeah. 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 Well, it, <laughs> the language oh. is used as if it was uh, American country okay, black dialect. To be fair to Eugene Peterson, he did that. Okay. He he did. He said, "Do not use this for Bible stuff." Yeah. 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 He said, "This is to put it in modern idioms, so that a the basic people can listen." If you are wanting to study, scripture. I think it has its place. I'm not gonna. I'm not condemning paraphrases, but I think if we're studying, you don't need to be using a paraphrase to study. And Eugene Peterson was the first one to say that. Okay. He was the first one. To, this is to help people who have a hard time with those other scriptures who aren't familiar with the Bible, just to understand to get the basic meaning using cultural modern idioms right. and sayings that you would understand. And do that. And he said, my paraphrase of the message is to point them to back to okay. appropriate translation. Your D's? Okay, we will. Okay. Let, let, let's wrap up and we'll pray, okay? Uh, one final thought. Um, that was my studied answer. Now, here's the visceral emotional answer I think you need a scripture that speaks your personal language and while I respect the King James version its history and William Tinsdale may God rest his soul who was I think inspired by the Holy Spirit in the translation it's 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 600 year old English and we don't string words together that way anymore and I think it misses something uh, now, my father-in-law would argue hard that there doesn't need to be any translation other than King James because he memorized all his verses in King James, and how dare they be any other interpretation of the ones that he memorized. And I get that. I get that, too. And if, you, if that's still meaningful to you and you're nice and comfortable with the language, fine. Uh, however, uh, I, I read an NIV, and I really like NIV. I like the commentary in the NIV. Uh, I have only on minor occasions argued with it. So, you know, and, and, and I'm a guy that argues with a rock. So, and I'm a new American standard. Yes, I'm aware. I'm so, so aware. I'm so sorry for you. I didn't. When I took Greek, you had to do with dying in the word away in your heart and your mind. That's yes. Right. And if you hidden it away from the time you were two, three, four, four years. Just to make the case for mine, when I took Greek in college, when you. Uh, King James, NIV, New American Standard, the Greek matched up more with the New American Standard. Oh, there you go. Oh, my goodness. All right. And with that bit of blasphemy, I'm signing off. Goodbye, Internet. I'm not.